Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest, the weekly podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm delighted today that we've got the, the gang back together again. Um, uh, joining us, week early done. Chief sports writer of the Daily Mirror, Jeremy Cross, chief sports writer of the Daily Star, Matt Dunn, football aficionado, of the Daily Express. Should we tell them about your 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 new new puppies? Just in case we get any background noise, Danny. Uh, great lover of animals as well, football, aren't you? So uh, yes, uh, it is. If any bar- any strange barking noises, yeah, it's not me great. for once. No, absolutely, absolutely. Nice to have you all um, with us, guys. And uh, so much to talk about, I guess, um, as well, particularly after um, after the midweek games that we've had so far, but also two absolutely huge games tonight as well to look forward to. Um, Manchester United and Arsenal and Tottenham entertaining um, Brentford. Um, interesting games for different reasons, really. Uh, new manager in, in, in waiting. And um, and sort of newly installed manager at, at, at Tottenham, still waiting for the um, honeymoon period probably to kick in. <laughs> um, so a major test for him. But I mean, th- th- this week has been remarkable in terms of um, drama and uh, and action. And also, we'll have a look at the Ballon d'Or fallout, um, and uh, perhaps also just a little look back upon some of the. Negative reaction from the Premier League um, clubs towards Tracy Crouch's review, and we must mention also the um, the very sad passing of Ray Kennedy. Not forgetting um, uh, former Coventry manager um, John Silla as well. Um, but listen, let's start with last night and the um, the events at um, at Goodison, frankly, which. Under underline two things really, just how good and free scoring Liverpool are, but also what a you know shocking state of affairs at the moment it is for Everton and in particular Rafa Benitez. Andy, you were there, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, you know, we always knew it was going to be a difficult one for, for Rafa Benitez. Um, we always knew that he came with the caveat that former, you know, former Everton, former, former Liverpool boss takes over at Everton basically. Did we ever think it would be quite as as poisonous as as, as as quite as disastrous this quickly? Bearing in mind he actually made quite a decent start, didn't he? Yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure it is that poisonous. You know, um, I'm not entirely sure it is that toxic directly towards Rafa Benitez. There's an element of that, of course, there is. But you know, as Jeremy will testify, because we were, we were sat alongside each other next to the director's box last night. And as much of the poison, as much as the anger was directed towards Bill Kenwright, even though, you know, his influence at the club, I'm not sure exactly what that is now. And the director of football, Marcel Brands, and I'm sure if Farhad Mashiri had been in the director's box last night, he would have copped it as well. So I think it's actually spread around. You know, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is that there is a whole 
um, spectrum of, of of who's to blame here. You know, fans are well, certain fans, certain and, and a lot of fans are not happy. We're not happy with Benitez's appointments. They're not happy with the football he's playing. However, they will acknowledge mitigating circumstances of injury, and they will, to a man and woman, turn around and say, "Well, well you know what? It goes beyond." Rafa Benitez. It goes to a recruitment policy over the years that has been deeply flawed. Um, it goes to a revolving door of managers that that hasn't worked. You know, I mean, it, you know, Benitez. Listen, I, 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 I it, it's well known. Right? I, I thought Benitez and Everton was was just completely wrong to start with, and I still do now. You know, it, 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 it was. I thought it was unimaginative, uninspired. I, I thought he was past his best. Never mind the connection with Liverpool. So I thought for all those reasons, it was the wrong appointment. And I still think it was the wrong appointment. However, like like every Everton fan, that you know, you're looking out there and you're thinking, well, you know, Benitez hasn't got it right so far. He's only had a short space of time. But then neither did Ancelotti, you know, neither did Ronald Koeman, neither did Sam Allardyce, you know, neither did Marco Silva. You know, you're talking about some, you know, you go through those managers and and when when they all come to grief in the end, although obviously Ancelotti walked out, um, when they all can't get it right, then there must be something beyond that, and that's when that's why I think fans were turning towards the the board last night and venting their anger at those. So yes, so so there are problems there. You know, you just wonder. I just want of all the recruitment seems to be one of the issues. You know, that, that mm. is quite obvious. I mean, I, I look at when I was at Man City Everton the other week and. And I'm looking at the team Everton have got out, and I know they've got injuries. Listen, you know that that that, that is the caveat. However, you know, even last night he brings on Fabian Delph, and I like Fabian Delph, but really, if he's the answer, then you know, it, it's hard to know what the question is. You, you, I look across, I'm thinking Delph, you know, Andros Townsend, you know, who had a decent couple of games at the start of the season, but but he was on a free transfer for a reason. Damari Gray, who scored last night, but didn't do much else. He was 1.7 million pounds for a reason. You know, he didn't cut it. In the Premier League first time round, that sounds harsh, but he didn't. So, you know, the squad and the team just, and you looked at the man for man is today. You know, Seamus Coleman, fantastic servant to, to Everton Football Club, but, you know, pretty much out of his death last night. Um, Lucas Digne hasn't kicked on. Um, Alan and Decore are okay. Richarlison sometimes looks like he doesn't want to be there. And then if you come back to Rafa, no matter what the limitations on his squad, his faith in Salomon Rondon. Is like one of those one of those sticks that will always be used to beat him with. So yeah, just problems galore. I mean, absolutely problems galore. And and it's okay saying you know it'd be, it'd be fine for me to sit here and say, well, like I am doing, saying I don't think Rafa was right, and I still don't think it's right. But then you've got to come up with an alternative. You, you know, you, you you really you really have. So and I'm not sure what the alternative would be right now. No, Jeremy, you you, you were also there. Goodison, I hope one of you brought the sweets by the way. But, um, and they brought the sweets, did he? I, I, did he? I, I, I brought the sweets, and I have to confess, they were from Man City on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I put I them in my what were they? Come on, what were they? Come on, I put uh, a variety of, of, of the like the wine gums and then and, and heroes or something like that. But they're back at Man City, you'll be pleased to know. Well, good, good. As long as everyone's using those kind of special, you know, utensils to get them out of the jars, they're really yeah, hands. Thing, you know. <laughs> oh no, you can't do that. <laughs> um, I'm pleased to, I'm pleased to hear someone's keeping the standards up. But Jeremy, tell tell us about the atmosphere there, because it was just, I mean, you know, I was at Aston Villa last night, and basically have seen the goals, and at various points, it's led me to believe, and I used the word poison there. 
Um, but that's the you know that's probably wrong in in Rafa's direction. But what was the atmosphere like? Yeah, there? And it, you're surrounded by Everton fans as well, aren't you? You know, for people that don't know the where the press box is, but you're really surrounded by it. Yeah, I had to laugh actually because I was trying to get the Wi-Fi to work before kickoff, and there were these very vociferous Everton fans sat right behind. We, me and Andy, were on the back row of the press box, and it's all pretty tight in there. So it's it's great for atmosphere, getting a feel of how things are. And the, the director's box is directly in front of the press box. So you're right in the hub of it all. But I was I was laughing to myself because there was a group of blokes behind and um, the, one of them had travelled from the Isle of Wight to watch that game last night. And I just thought to myself, mate, you've had a long trip for nothing there. <laughs> so you, just, you just knew before kickoff, walking to, even walking to the ground um, with a colleague, we were just discussing what might happen. And it was just, the theme was, this is going to be a three or four nil Tonkin for Everton. Yeah. It's going to get toxic. You know, the Liverpool fans are going to chant Rafa Benitez's name to wind up the Everton fans. Um, there's going to be a golfing class between the two teams, which there was. It was also predictable. It just played out how I thought how I thought it would do, and probably how Andy did as well. So, you know, but it was pretty nasty at the end. You know, the the I think Andy's hit the nail on the head. Really, look, appointing Rafa Benitez was a high risk appointment for obvious reasons, mm. um, and it's it's panning out how we feared it would. But when you look at the litany of disasters at that club over the years, you know, you just look at it and you think, because Benitez, I think years ago, once described Everton as a small club. And actually, it, they are now proving him right because it's like amateur hour there. Yeah, some claim that. It was like amateur hour last night, seriously. Yeah. Within about 60 seconds, Jordan Pickford and Seamus Coleman had ended up having a row in the penalty box because they both came for the same ball and it went for a Liverpool corner. And it just set the tone for all the calamitous things that were to happen. I mean, the Tannoy announcer couldn't even get the Tannoy working properly when he was announcing the Everton team before a game. At the end of the game, a load of kids ran on to try and get shirts and stuff. There were stewards chasing around, falling over. It was just like, this was once a great club, wasn't it? It was the best mm. club in the land at, not that long ago, really. I mean, they used to win everything under Al Kendall. And you just, I just felt really sad for them because... They're going backwards at a rate of knots. And, you know, you've got to look at Ken Wright's leadership, Mashiri's ownership. What role does Usmanov have in it all, you know? Um, he's in the background. What decisions is he making? And Marcel Brands, I mean, what, what is what is his role? What does he do? Because you look at the transfer record in recent times and it's shambolic. Mm. They signed Rodriguez, put him on thick end of 300,000 quid a week. Mm. I mean, that's that's just... Farcical, really. That all turned sour. Walcott used to be one of the highest paid players in the team. He paid 20 million for Theo Walcott. So who is making these decisions? If you'd have said to an Everton fan two years ago in 2019, in the next two years we'll have Ancelotti and Benitez as our manager, you'd think, crikey, we're going places. And they're not. Well, they are. They're going down at this rate. I mean, the five points above the relegation zone. I don't think they will go down, but... Benitez has had some bad luck with injuries. You know, he can only play the hand he's given. and He's missing Calvert-Lewin and obviously Yerry Mina has been injured. So, you know, they're two key mm. players. But and sacking him probably would be the populist thing to do. But what, what do you, where do you turn if you sack Benitez? It's just a mess. Absolute mess. I'll tell you what, Jez. I'll tell you, it's, you know, on the recruitment, I mean, you know, you can spend hours going through it. Um, and, you know, Marcel Brands is supposed to be there to get the recruitment right. Because what I what I think is that is that after Mashiri took over the club, you know, and basically it was out there then that Everton have got money and Mashiri's got money. Now bear in mind, 
and certainly, John, you'll know Mashiri's background and, and, you know, the circles, the type of circles he moved in. And I honestly think there were agents out there, super agents out there, any agents out there who basically thought, you know what, we can get rid of a couple to this guy here, mm. you know, um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go as far as say, you know, we're going to try and make a mug out of this guy. But I do think there was agents out there who, who sold Everton some duds are high prices, let's put it that way. And like, you know, and that should be the job of a director of football to stop that happening because I think the owner was was susceptible to that sort of influence. Mm, yeah, he's amazing. The one the one I was just listening to a couple of podcasts on the way up yesterday to Villa. And it's amazing to to we call it Chenk Tosson is still there, you know, the best part of 30 million quid. Yes. And I, I know, you know, I mean, Jeremy was saying about, you know, Hamas Rodriguez. You know, for on that on that mega deal, and it still it brings us back, Matt, doesn't it? That basically, when when you spent that much money, I mean, you know, some of the some of the you know deals last uh, so the summer of you know the Ancelotti summer, if you like, when they really backed him to the hilt in that in 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 that period, um, were, were decent ones. Decore's you know okay, isn't he? And you know, yes. it, you know, fine, you know, but it's it's it. It's the other ones that are way down this summer, isn't it? That basically meant that you had to do Townsend on a free, meant that you could, you know, I actually think that Damari Gray is a player in there. I really do. And at 1.7, I think it's okay. But it's, um, you know, it's the club is in a real, real state of flux, Matt, isn't it? That basically, you know, and you, you do wonder about the future of one of English football's great clubs. Yeah, you do. But I'm, I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to, it's not often we say this, but. Let's give Liverpool a bit of credit, and normally we're we're doing that all over the place. I mean, I didn't see much of the game because I was watching not only Brighton score, but Brighton score a worldie. So um, I, I must have drawn a lucky Willy Wonka ticket or something. But um, but just hearing Klopp talking about that performance, and it was the biggest away derby win, wasn't it, since 1982? Well, the manager in 1982 was Howard Kendall, wasn't it? And uh, and within two years, Everton had won the FA Cup, the title. And the Cup Winners' Cup. So it doesn't have to be doom gloom. Liverpool can sometimes put on that kind of performance like they did, uh, clearly did last night. I mean, that 82 game had, uh, it was when Hansen and Lawrenson were were marauding centre-backs rather than the Stadler and Waldorf of BBC punditry. Um, uh, so, I mean, it was one of those nights when it sounds like Liverpool got everything right and few teams, and to, to measure Everton's problems against that performance, it's a really tough emotive one. But but I think it's what they do in the, after that that is going to be the measure of whether Benitez can get it together. But you, I agree they're hamstrung by their by their um, summer transfer record recently. And uh, our and, friend uh, Alan Chamberlain there pointing point, putting up the since twenty sixteen Everton has absolutely. spent five hundred sixty three point two five million. I haven't got my calculator out, Alan, but blimey, thanks for doing those. Really, those maths, I'm trusting you there to be right, but wow, that's a match. I mean, yeah, that, that, that hammers it home that, that they have invested, but they're against some of other teams, so have Arsenal, so you know, and they've not got it right. Uh, and, and there are a lot of clubs who have invested, it, and that's why it's key to get these key personnel behind the scenes, uh, that are making the right transfers. And, and I agree with everything that the other lads have said, you know, that you've got to be starting to, to ask questions if you're director of football. Mm. Hey, listen, listen. Matt, I, I, I agree. I'm sure we were going to come on to Liverpool uh, after Everton and and how good they are right now. I mean, bear in mind, you know they've they've hit four past Arsenal, four mm -hmm. past Southampton, four past Everton. 
in three successive Premier League games. They're the, the great stats that, that, that they've now played 18 consecutive games in all competitions, scoring two or more goals in each one. Now, that's an all-time record. It's, it's remarkable. I mean, the goals in Liverpool are truly remarkable. They're the Premier League top scorers, I think, by some distance off the top of my head. You know, they look threatening every time they go forward. Mohamed Salah is the best player in the Premier League now by some distance, without a doubt. You know, he is Not just according to Pep Guardiola. Electric. We'll come with on me, to that. You know, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't, you know, look after your own. But, he, you know, he looks like he's going to make something happen every time. But the irony is, is, is I don't really think that Liverpool played spectacularly well by their standards last night. I mean, I think when you leave Mo Salah twice, as they did, isolated to run alone. You know, he ran off the length of the pitch, unchallenged for the second goal, for his second goal. Pretty much did the same for the first goal, then opened up his body. You know, I could tell what he was going to do with it. So, I think, you know, I think I think, I think, think when, when Jeremy mentioned the, the chaos early on, Pickford and Coleman and etc., I think that summed it up. You know, Liverpool, Liverpool were great, by the way. I mean, good, mm. but they weren't great. But they are, at the moment... The team now that just looks like they're going to score goal after goal after goal, as long as they've got Salah, Mane, and Jota. I mean that that last night to me is Liverpool's best team. That's Liverpool's best eleven out there. Matip partnering um, Virgil Van Dijk, um, Jota ahead of Firmino. Okay, Firmino's injured anyway, but Firmino, um, Mane, Jota, and um, Salah, uh, and, and 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 the midfielders it was yesterday, Henderson. Fabino and and Thiago, that just looks. You know, and, and strangely enough, the one position I would sort of think that maybe, and he had two assists last night, Andy Robertson. But you know, I think Simicas, the Greek left back, puts him um, a bit of pressure on him. So you, you're right, Matt. You, you know, you you are talking about a team that are going forward irresistible. Mm, yeah, Pep Guardiola described him as a goal scoring machine. Night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just oh, you know, I, 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 I completely. They look like scoring every time they go assertion. forward. They come at yeah. you from every angle, and they look like scoring. You know, when Mohamed Salah gets the ball in the final third of the field, something's going to happen. Mm. No, Manny I mean, is, is, is the same. Last I mean, night, after after there were two 0 up after twenty minutes, Liverpool. I'm, I'm not kidding. It could have been four or five, couldn't it? It Pickford could have been. It could have been really right. yeah. Salah missed yeah. a good chance. It was carnage. Yeah. No, I mean no one. No one is denying how good Liverpool are, but I just think at the moment Everton are, you know, way off it at the moment. Yeah. And does the bearing in that in mind, does Jeremy does does Rafa see out this crisis? How long's he got? I don't really see what what I mean. If if he'd had a full squad to choose from in the last few weeks. And had a lot of money to spend on new players when he took over. Then, then they were now in this situation. I would say, yeah, you've got a sack and it's not working. But there are mitigating circumstances for him. Mm. And you know, his his main goal scorer has been injured for weeks. He's one of his best defenders has been out injured. So you know, um, that has to come into the equation. And also, if you if you're Mishiri and you're thinking it is so unpredictable, you could probably if he sacked him today, you wouldn't be that surprised, really. But where would they go? Who would they turn to? Yeah. Who, if you're going to create that problem, you, you need a solution. And I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think of an immediate did you, one. Hey, Jeremy, did you hear that guy to the right of us? Amongst the many sort of uh, people who were, who, um, who were shouting abuse at various people, to be honest with you. Um, but there was one, there was one fellow who, was, who, who kept shouting, give Big Dunk the job. Yeah, that's going to work. Give, sorry? That'll work, right? 
<laughs> well, you know, you know what? I, I mean, I'm, sometimes I think you might as well. I mean, only because you know, for I don't think you do any worse than Benitez is doing now, quite frankly. And also, I mean, Big Dunk's been there. You know, there's been a common denominator throughout all this, and that's that's Duncan Ferguson has been number two. So maybe either give him the job, or, yeah. or or maybe you know, any new manager shouldn't have Duncan on his backroom staff. I don't know. You know, everyone comes in and says, "Yeah, you know, he's part of the furniture. He has to be here." Well, actually, he has been a common denominator through years of underachievement. But when he was manager, interim caretaker, whatever you want to call it, you know, he did well. You know, there's, there's no getting away from that. He, he did well. I, I mean, yeah, it, it, as daft or as fanciful as it seems, as preposterous as it might seem, you know, I think he. I honestly think he'd do no worse than Benitez is doing right now. Simple as that. In he hindsight, could be, he could be a unifying force. In hindsight, going back to the summer when Ancelotti left, there may have been better looking at a younger manager, you know, someone who could, course, yeah. could take them on on a long-term project, maybe. Uh, I think part of the issue, Everton, is they've obviously got these plans in place for a new stadium down by the waterside. And I think that sort of distracted the owners um, somewhat in terms of they've been focusing on that, putting that project together, and the team's been neglected, really. But obviously, they're going to move into that fancy stadium at some point. But but what sort of team will they have? You know, what sort of state will they be in as a club mm. when they reach that point? Um, and maybe some like Eddie Howe, who's obviously got a lot on his plate up at Newcastle. But somebody of that ilk may have been a better selection. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, suge I, I suggested Eddie Howe in, in the summer and was well, basically um, left out of Liverpool by, by Evertonians. So I'll keep that mm. one. Yeah, Dif difficult sell young English managers, isn't it? <laughs> to be honest, yeah, <laughs> just not, just not fashionable. You know, you've been, um, you know, strange. Anyway, but there you go. But Matt, uh, um, coming back to you, I mean, um, he was an interesting one in the title race as well, wasn't it? Because um, you know, Manchester City rampant at um, uh, Aston Villa, but also Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea sort of, you know, I mean, Thomas Tuchel was very critical mm. of his team's display. You know, it's a topsy-turvy topsy game interrupted, you know, by an, um, another med medical emergency in the stand. And um, and it, it seems a sort of a strange, strange outcome. But Chelsea remain top, don't they? And, um, you know, are they convincing you at the moment? Um, yeah, they are, really. Um, it's weird because, you know, having drop points at the weekend, he sung the praises of his team, uh, and then they win, and he and he's getting on their backs a little bit. And I don't mm. know if that's a little bit of kidology for for the players, you know, protect them so that people don't go overboard and just to keep the whole thing on an even keel for good or bad. But uh, when you watch Chelsea with, with players like Reese James drifting in and play playing, uh, you know, right back or right wing back like it's never been played before, and. Uh, even players like that that struggled initially, perhaps didn't really make an impact. Like Zayek seemed to be uh, seemed to be a false, and, and they and they win. They put so much pressure on high up the field. There's always going to be chances, uh, and and that's where it comes down to the Timo Werner effect. He's back in the team, uh, and the goals are drying up again. And <laughs> you know, I don't know. He lives a charmed life in that team because the fans love him, and and he misses chance after chance, and it's just not working for him. Uh, and when Lukaku's back up and running properly, I think it'll be you know a more you, you'll start to see some of the goals go in like they are at Liverpool. But uh, but no, they every, every game they play, they look like they've got goals in them. Uh, and and I think there's enough 
And then defensively, they're just not letting any in either. So no. when they, they don't need to score many goals to get points, and it's just strong. And they're gonna everyone's you know we we got teams with nine ten games in a month and all sorts of things going on there that over over and, and points are going to be dropped down here. But but on the balance of averages, Chelsea will come out for through the Christmas period um, with their squad looking as strong as they are now. Uh, and I still think they'll be top in January. Do you? Do you think? Yeah, do you think? I think just you, because you think of the we, squad yeah. and the system they play, I think they'll grind out more results, uh, as many results as they need, just to to keep their noses in front. Yeah, yeah. There's one. There was one player that sort of uh, is 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 you know raising a few eyebrows, and that's Sal Nagez, isn't it? I mean, what a fantastic signing he was. Um, or we thought he would. We thought he would be. He starts two Premier League games, hooked at half time in both of them. Absolutely remarkable, you know. So yeah, it's I don't a know that's an English football thing, but it's because you know we've seen him in, you know, such quality moments in domestically in Spain, but also in the Champions League. It's a strange one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we'll come on to this later with the Ballon d'Or, but playing in the Premier League is is a lot harder than you know than perhaps playing in some of these other leagues in Europe. Uh, and I know we'll touch on the the Ballon d'Or perhaps a bit later, but but it is a measure of a player being able to to settle in the Premier. That's why I mentioned Zayat because he wasn't doing much mm. when he first arrived. Um, but but a year down the line, he's he's suddenly looking, you know, as like the player that Chelsea thought they were signing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Andy, I was at Villa Park last night, and Manchester City one two one, fantastic game of football, really good. I mean, City were terrific first half. Um, you know, 2 0 up the second goal. If people haven't seen it, Bernardo Silva, the finish. I mean, it's just was a yeah. goal of the season contender. It really is. I mean, it's absolutely typifies the sort of kind of you know, lightning break approach. Villa came back brilliantly, um, actually, second half and could have easy, e easily snatched a, snatched a point. Um, you know, they're doing well under Gerard, but I, I was just taken with what Guardiola said afterwards, which was, um, you know, uh, calling uh, Bernardo Silva. Uh, he was asked, basically, you know, is he on form one of the best players in the Premier League? And he just hit straight back and just said, the best. Mm. You know, and then basically, the, sort of, the, you know, the, the, someone sort of said, oh, you know, wow, it's quite some assertion. He said, well, just go back to when we won the title with however many points two, three seasons ago. He's the best then. Just get the tapes out, basically. Well, yeah. he, he, I think Bernardo is a great story because basically City signed Jack Grealish. We all assume, and they're going for a striker. And basically, at one point, Bernardo certainly seems surplus to requirements. His reaction, his response has been remarkable. His level of performance has been quite something else, isn't it, this season, Bernardo? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This has been fantastic for City. Um, and he just, brought, he just, he is an identical. Pep Guardiola player, isn't he? You know, I mean, I mean, he really is. He is just. I mean, listen, bear in mind, we, we thought he, we thought he was going out there because he wasn't. He didn't exactly, you know, set the world on fire last season. Bernardo Silva in that title winning side. But you're right; he's come back refreshed, and he's absolutely an identical Guardiola player, isn't he? You, you know, he he, 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 he pilfers possession off the opposition. You know, he, he closes down in a different way to some of them. He, he, you know, he, he basically just, you know. And at the time, he will literally just, you know, sneak up and pilfer the ball away from a defender. You know, he just does it time and time again. And he's clearly playing absolutely full of confidence. You know, I mean, full of confidence at, at the moment. And, and, and yes, listen, he's just been, he's been outstanding for them, you know, over this, over over the whole, what is it, how long has he been here for now? Five seasons, is it? Mm, something is like it five, that, I yeah. think. 
and, and he's been outstanding for all that time. What's really impressive is, is that the likes of him have stepped up to the plate when, you know, it's quite laughable really when um, when Pep says on the eve of the game, you know, we're in, we're in an emergency, you know, we're down to our last 15 world-class players. Uh, it's like it, it is it is the new equivalent it is the it's the new sort of um state-owned um club equivalent of of harry redknapp's down to the bare bones isn't it you know it, it's like i mean have you noticed i don't know what it was last night but certainly i've been to city quite a lot recently hence why i had the sweets of goodness last night but um it's did you notice I, i've no i don't know what it was last night but against psg and against um, West Ham, Guardiola didn't use all the um, vacancies on the bench. In fact, against PSG in the Champions League, yes. you are allowed you allowed twelve substitutes. Now I've lost count. Um, it's twelve substitutes. I think you're allowed. Um, well, you're allowed twelve on the bench. Mm -hmm. You're obviously mm -hmm. only allowed to bring only allowed to bring five on. But um, and Guardiola, I think, had eight people, so he had four less than PSG had on the bench. Certainly on Sunday. I'm not sure. He, he definitely had less than West Ham yeah. on the bench. He had you know? two keepers on the bench last night, and I think he did yeah. on Sunday as well, didn't he? Does that yeah, a lot? Yeah, yes, and, and that, yeah, was including, yeah. that was including two keepers. So, yeah, so they are down to bare bones. But anyway, but go, leaving aside the irony of, of City possibly having been down to the bare bones, Bernardo Silva has stepped up, you, you know, when important players have been missing, the likes mm. of Foden, De Bruyne, you know, they haven't really felt their absence, have they? Because... no. Because Bernardo Silva is one of those to the four who has stepped up, um, and that's why it's it's been a mightily, a mightily impressive run, really. Considering that you know De Bruyne and Foden are such talisman, you know, I mean Jack Grealish being missed, okay, he came back last night, but that's not really, and neither here nor there, really, considering his form has been pretty so-so since since he joined. But yes, mm. Bernardo Silva, listen, it goes on. It's early days. How many games gone? Fourteen, is it? Um, he's a contender for. You know, an early contender for footballer of the year. Um, he'd have mm. to go some to get past Mohamed Salah at the moment, but but he's up there. Yeah, yeah, no, he he really is. He's playing, he's playing mm. extremely well. Jeremy, I mean, sort of Villa last night. I did think they sort of kind of lesser teams or better teams, really, I should say, maybe have crumbled after going two 0 down and being completely steamrolled in the second half. Uh, sorry, in the first half, but the way they came out second half, I thought was fantastic. You know, Gerard is making a real impact i was walking back with a colleague back to you know to the, sort of the car park last night and it's just like you, you're really really impressed by 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 gerard he's 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 i think he's been an excellent appointment and he's he's a real bright young english manager isn't he for, for villa i was reading your tweets about 20 minutes ago john on Stephen. Oh, well, there you go you're there clearly you go. insightful changes yes, very I mean, much the obvious change is the play with more intensity and passion don't they i know it's only been yeah. three games but they already look a reflection of 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 what sort of player Gerard was, you know. Well, mm. one of my all-time favourite players, Steven Gerrard, just a complete footballer in my opinion. But yeah, he's taken them on to another level, and they had they had gone stale under Dean Smith. I felt sorry for Dean Smith when he got sacked, but mm. they had gone stale, and clearly the Gerrard carries a lot of kudos with his reputation, and the players have clearly bought into it. So I think, look, I did a column on Gerrard saying he. Was it the right appointment in terms for him as much as for Villa? Um, and I questioned it, but from what I've seen so far, um, it could be it could be 
could be a good one. There's still a long, long way to go. And where does you didn't get that column wrong then, did you? What's the realistic? Yeah. What's the realistic ambition? <laughs> yeah. I just see how I just blindly ignored you two. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Should we just gloss over that? I love Gerard. I think one. I hope he really succeeds. You're just getting onto the website now as we speak, aren't you? Delete that one. Delete, delete, delete. <laughs> I do. I really hope he succeeds. I think I've got a lot of time for him. I think he's a great bloke. Um, and he has, he has made on, a significant difference already. Um, and I didn't see, I was well, at that game last night, but it sounded, you know, like they put up a, a really, a really good defence against City. So they'll be fine under Gerard. My, my, my point of my column was what's the ultimate ambition for Villa under Gerard? Is it to win a trophy? Is it to get into Europe? Cool. Is he capable of doing I'm... either of those things? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yes. Yes. Yeah. Domestic, domestic, domestic cup top six. Wow. Domestic cup top six, top four. You, you know, I mean, listen. Top four. The, 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 top well, four. You think you really can get really to top four? Long term. Well, the top, there's only one place for the top four. The top That's three. Is... Yeah. Well, I, I, as I was going to say, I was, I, as I was going to finish, <laughs> top three are done. You well, three started it. But literally, you've got literally, literally you've got you know one place up for grabs, and you know there's no outstanding team as far as I can see. I would have down as as hot favourites for that particular position. Mm. What United, Tottenham, Arsenal, West Ham. Don't know. Villa put a run together. Let's let, let, let's you know let's let's put it this way. I'm you know, I'm, I'm actually thinking you've got six points out of nine, and 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 and. and yeah. I, I'm totally making this up, but um, if he if, if he had that ratio from now until the end of the season, I'm sure he'd run close. I mean, yeah. I presume he's going to get some money to spend in January, isn't he, yeah. Gerard? You know, that will have been part of the deal when he took over. So it'd be interesting yeah. to see how much he gets to spend and who he decides to pick, who who he, who he goes for. Yeah, it will be. I mean, I must say Watkins was terrific last night. Absolutely yeah. terrific. And if he can get the, you know, Watkins and Ings going, you know, sort of thing, really. I, mean, I think there's... There's great potential, and they've got so many good young players. You know, Villa, Villa's academy and young players is just a, oh, talk of a lot of scouts and you know youth. It is a talk of fabulous scene, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really, really, really is. Yeah, but um, but there you go. Matt, I hope I, I hope I'm. I've just seen you gone on to mute there, so I hope we're not interrupting a, a barking. Oh. No, no, it's just you going barking mad. But um, but basically, the other one I was going to sort of the other really interesting game this week was um, Newcastle's draw with Norwich. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I watched that game and uh, oh, struck me at Norwich would, apart from Pookie's incredible finish, what a goal that was! Basically, mm. pretty damn average, and and Newcastle were the almost the architects of their own downfall, really. Did that draw and that result do either of them any favours and either of them any good at all? Um, well, I think Norwich have arrived not wanting any favours or whatever. So you can't have, you know, we've, we've spoken about Norwich before and, uh, you know, good luck good luck to Dean Smith on that one. But I think he's already thinking about the promotion campaign next season. Uh, the worrying thing for Newcastle is they've got to find three teams worse than themselves. Mm. And if they can't beat Norwich, you sort of, where else are you going to be looking for candidates? I mean, that was a massive blow. That was going to be the start of things, you know, a confidence booster. Uh, uh, and it hasn't happened. And it just highlights 
you know, at the you know coming into the transfer window, just how deep a ravine, uh, you know, Newcastle are in at the moment, and, and and they have the wherewithal to get out of it. But we know that January market is a tricky one. We know that you know the uh, whoever the owners are of Newcastle, they're not going to want to spend uh, loads of money just to end up in the Championship. It just looks, it just, it's a bum note straight off for. Uh, Anyhow, even before he's properly got in the door with all this COVID and everything. And it just, it makes the owners wonder, you know, what are we doing here? Are we going to have to ride this one out for a season and a bit? It just raises question marks. And that's the one thing they need is they want some certainty up there. They want to have a, a particular direction, a philosophy, a drive, a, a, a confidence that they're going to get out of this mess and then build in the Premier League. But But they can't even do that at the moment. Uh, and yeah, it's worrying times still. You know, for all the, it's uh, as we mentioned with Everton, it's okay having all the money and spending all the money, but you've you've got to do it right. And you know, it, yeah, that was that was a big blow that one. Yeah, uh, Andy, do you see any hope for Newcastle? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. See, I do. See, I like Eddie Howe. Um, as, as I said before, you know, um, I, I, I would have, I would have more than happy for him to take the Everton job, um, to be given the Everton job or offered the Everton job in in the summer. I like him. I think, like, you know, you give him a little bit of time. I mean, when say he hasn't got that much time, but I think I think the squad, I think Newcastle squad is good enough as it. I mean, yes, I think I consider the squad good enough to finish above the bottom three. And on top of that, they will have money to spend. Yes, I know it's difficult in January. Um, I'm not sure how much money they will give to spend. Eddie Howe's been a bit sort of like you know cautious about talking about spending loads of money but i think they've got a good enough squad at the moment to um to stay in the premier league as has been shown in the last couple of seasons um you know i think they've got i mean from what i could see the nines you know he's he's worth the somehow worth the minor miracle and getting joe linton some positive um reports and positive feedback from the crowd sam maximan can be a game changer callum wilson is clearly a great finish if you can keep him fit you know, they were undone the other night, you know, it didn't help that with Clark getting sent off so so early on. They've got decent goalkeepers. They've got the option of two goalkeepers. I like the squad. You know, when I say I like it, I think it is a squad. I look around other teams and I think it's a better squad. For example, I think it's probably a better squad than Everton's, for example, if we want to, you know, carry mm. on the theme of the show from the start. I think we're certainly probably maybe even just as good. So, so yes, I think there's plenty of hope for them. I mean, listen... <laughs> You can't be that. When I say you can't be too optimistic when when they yet to win a football match in the Premier League. So you know that's hardly um, hardly the grounds for being too bullish about them staying up. But but in answer to your question, is the hope? Yeah, I think there is plenty. Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Well, right, man. Mm. Newcastle's next uh, four games. They play Burnley at the weekend, which is obviously mm. huge. Yeah, After that, they play Leicester, Liverpool, Man City, and Man United. Cool. Yeah. Well, Leicester, well, Leicester and Man U are eminently beatable, aren't they? Not, not they by are. a team. Well, what makes you say that? They haven't won a game all season, have they? Norwich beat Man United. Oh, I, I was, I was being generic there, pal. Like you know, I mean, Watford beat Man U four-one. Why shouldn't Newcastle beat? You know, on form lines, I, I, I would, I, I, they would have nothing to fear as far as I can see. Yeah, but they haven't won. It's nearly Christmas. They haven't won a game yet. No, that's always a, that, it's eh? always a blow. They're running out of time. Oh, they're man. running out of time. I do think they're running out of time. Right, let's let's move on. Man United, Ralph Ranyak, Wreck-It Ralph. He's going to be in the um, 
he's going to be in the uh, he's going to be in the stands and um, uh, tonight for for for, for the uh, Arsenal game. I do have to say, I uh, you know, this is a really interesting, different, dynamic appointment, isn't it, Jeremy? I mean, does this one <laughs> does this one grab you? Certainly, one one thing's for sure: it's not dull. It's it's captured the imagination. Interim manager. Obviously not in charge tonight. We don't have to stress that. <clears throat> Certainly not picking the team. Oh no, sir. Um, and um, he, he basically, you know, he, he's hoping to be in charge, isn't he, for for the weekend? Is that is is, is that right? But then he's both. Who, who knows? Yeah, that'll be down to the home office. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, there weren't going round the, the, the sort of the press box on Sunday. I hasten to add by sort of kind of a couple of German journalists was. You know, obviously there to sort of kind of do their sort of foundation pieces. Well, he won't be let in the country until he gets his um, his work permit. Well, that's obviously wrong, isn't it? You know, because he hasn't got that yet. But he's allowed in. He's allowed. He's allowed in the to country. travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exactly. But um, yeah, um, so it'll be you know it'll be it'll be an interesting one. But I do think it's I do think it's one that I think has captured my imagination. Because we've well, look, heard any, so any, much about Ralph Ranick in the yeah. past few seasons, haven't we? Past few any, years. Um, it be interesting, wasn't it? Any change of this magnitude at United is always a huge story. And mm. um, this is made even more uh, seismic by the fact that they've obviously given him a six-month contract. But the, the master plan is for him to move upstairs, become a director of football sort of role, a senior football advisor, I was I was told. Um and basically, on a two-year deal, uh, which is something I know United, Ed Woodward's been trying to fill that role for a number of years. And then when Mourinho, we wanted to bring in a director of football, Mourinho was manager, Mourinho was set against it. So he, he let Mourinho have his wish there. Um, and for whatever reasons, they've not managed to appoint someone in the intervening years. But um, so that's that's a different dynamic to it. It's yeah. sort of it's coming in in a dual capacity, really. But... The strange thing is, he will be involved in the process of finding the next permanent manager. So that's led to speculation about Ten Hag at Ajax. He's know he's he's close with him, so he's now in the mix. Um, we just don't know. We, we know they like Pochettino. We know they like Brendan Rodgers, um, and they will be heavily discussed when the process starts in January. But in the meantime, obviously, his, his remit is to try and stabilize things, get some wins, get United up the table. Finish top four, I think, is a is the realistic hope for for Ranyi. Um, I just laugh at the fact that you know he came into Manchester a few days ago. He can't actually physically do the work, the job he's been appointed to, because he doesn't have the work permit. Mm. But 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 this could have all been resolved in the international break, couldn't it? I mean, mm. they're obviously thinking about sacking Solskjaer prior to the last international break. So have they done that then? They would have had a two-week break to sort out all these all these administration problems. Um, I'm sure he'll get the paperwork he needs in the end. It's doubtful he'll be in charge on um, Sunday when Palace come to Old Trafford. But you just chuckle to yourself and think, you know, we've got a we've got a, an interim manager coming in to replace a caretaker manager, mm. and the interim manager they've chosen can't actually start the job because he doesn't have a visa. Doesn't have the required visa and work permit, but yeah, look, I, I don't know a lot about him. We, we know he's, he's highly regarded in Germany for the work he's done over there, and you know this Gagan Press thing that he um, he was the 
inventor of has, has been a popular popular method of other managers since, like Klopp and Guardiola have had huge success as we know. So it'd be interesting this to see the, the transformation. press thingy. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a technical term? Did that sound vague? <laughs> yeah. You yeah, old yeah, hipster. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> the limit of my knowledge. <laughs> yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. And exactly. I'm I, I, I called it yeah, basically. Yeah. You're, you're the original hipster, pal. You know, <laughs> beard sandals off to a craft beer place later. You know, every, everyone's a winner. Talking but he about clearly has a vision how, of how football should be played without the ball as well as with it. So it'll be interesting to see how he try and implements that once he gets going. And where does that leave people like Ronaldo? You know, just yeah. just don't seem on the face of it, don't appear to fit into that philosophy. So it'll be interesting one, to see how it all pans out. Yeah, Matt, 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 well. we were at Stamford Bridge on, on Sunday, weren't we? And basically, you know, as per, as per usual, Matt, your 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 uh, probing questions drew a long and expansive answer when when you uh, quizzed Michael Carrick as to who on earth picked the Man United team because obviously Ronaldo and he, he's clear, clearly not up to pressing these days, you know, in his in his late thirties basically. Um, didn't it, yeah, it probably didn't. You did ask him, didn't you, who who picked the team? Well, on, tell us about that. Well, I think as well. I mean, it was Gary Neville, wasn't it, who tweeted yeah, yeah. that he expected. And to be fair to, to to Gary Neville, he's got a lot of sources in that that dressing mm. room. So when when he tweets something like that and says that you know that's his understanding or his feeling, then then it's it's generally well sourced. So you know he's there in front of me. I hadn't quite perfected the crossy lean into the camera, but uh, but I um, <laughs> but yeah, it's probably worth asking a question. And yeah, he, he told me in no uncertain terms that. No, that's not the case. And then, then he moved on to the next question. But uh, yeah. yeah, he was giving that short shrift. But yeah, Matt, you know. no, it, uh, genuinely, I mean, I did. It did feel a totally different team. It felt like a totally different direction. I was completely with with you on that on that on that question. I have to say, well, whether it's my new Harris, manager yeah. comes in, come on, he's sitting in the stands tonight. The players are different. There'll be a different mindset. There'll be a different mentality. They're playing for the new guy already. He's not mm. taken charge. You know, are you telling me that, a, 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 you know, a new guy known for pressing, you know, and then all of a sudden a team that strings three defensive players across the middle of the park to do exactly that hasn't either consciously or subconsciously been involved in Manchester United in the past, well, you know, week or so, basically. What, it's ridiculous. What, I, what I'm telling you, Crossy, is that um, a, a home office hearing for a work permit might not take too kindly at the thought that a new manager had already been doing the work on the sly. Um, so I think it's Manchester United's uh, interest to make it clear that he's had nothing to do with anything. In fact, they'd hardly even heard of him, I think, until he gets that work permit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and let's I hope that home, home that's going to be the work. stance. <laughs> that's going to be the stance right until that pen, that paperwork signed. I think people Aaron didn't know they were voting yeah. for this. They voted for Brexit, did they? They didn't. No, no. <laughs> thing, says Michael Carrick, never heard of him. But 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 also there is a fact that that. that the reason why you know it might be more difficult and why he needs his payments is that he's actually only been a manager, you know, for what two of the previous eleven years, which just goes to show you, you know, the appointments, you know, widely beloved by hipsters is, is you know, by far, by far and away a guarantee of any sort of a success. You know, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a reason why he was at Locomotive Moscow, 
you know, they haven't nicked him, you know, and you have to keep refreshing his Wikipedia page to, to see actually has he won anything. You know, it's it, it, it's 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 odd to me, you know. And then you want his philosophy to um, to carry on, so it'd be a consultant. But surely, if you're getting a new manager in, it's their philosophy. You know, can you imagine? Can you imagine um, getting Pochettino in in the summer and having what if his philosophy is completely yeah. different from yeah. Ralph Ragnick's? It's it's just bizarre. I have to say, hey, hey, just just dive in. Just it made me laugh then you say about Dunny's questioning. It must be an emotional time for you with Joanna Conta retiring, pal. Oh, uh, well, I, I, I want. Oh, I'll tell you what. Uh, actually, come on, come on. You were the first person I thought that... of when Joanna Conta. You know what? She's never been the same since. She. Uh, <laughs> come on, Dunny. Dad... The BBC thought of as well because my mum texted me to say I was on the one o'clock news again. But, uh, <laughs> Fantastic. Well, for those Danny, who don't know, well, no, Danny well, rang me to have a. Danny rang me yesterday afternoon to have a right old whinge up about something. And then uh, about what was it, two fifty nine? He had to break off because he said, "I've got to go on to a got to go on to a concert." Yeah, Zoom. But, come on, tell us what happened. Tell, there, for there people no that don't feelings, know, you, you you had a right ding. Well, she'd lost. You, no, no, no. Conte, she'd you? lost a game at Wimbledon. Who was it to, Donny? Barbara, or someone was it? Strakova, huh? the, the fifty four seed Strakova. Whereas Barbara Strakova, yes, and and all I would say is the headline here was Joe Conte accuses journalists of quote. Being disrespectful, patronising, and picking on it. Oh, well, that doesn't sound like Donny. No, no, definitely not. No, no, not no he's got man. the wrong person there. <laughs> no. And then, go on. Was she pleased to see you yesterday as she announced her retirement? Funny enough, weirdly, I've done very little tennis since then, and that was not related to that. Um, it's to do with other doing more was to having a decent football team for once. Um, but uh, yeah, it's the first time I'd spoken to her since, and. It, it was completely amicable, and uh, and I'd like to wish her good luck in her future in the media, which she seems to be planning. And, and I hope, I hope she asks all the right questions all the time, and uh, and uses her knowledge um, to great effect to, to really get to the bottom uh, of, of our hopefuls. Uh, I'm your questions again, Donny, and, and I think they're all right to be honest with you. Rachel, I was, Yes. Go on, go on, go on. Oh, no, it goes. It, 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 I mean, I mean, I mean Donny's opening gambit is you made 33 on four standards, then you had a smash at the net, which you hit straight at her. Then towards the end, you had a double fault. Then, Mr. Drive Volley, do you not look have to look at yourself a little bit about how you cope with these big points? It's all very well saying it's not to be your opponent, but there were key points when you perhaps could have done better. Is that in your professional tennis opinion, Conta replied? Yeah, well, she said that. And to be fair, it was not my opinion. Um, Navratilova had said similar on, on the television and McEnroe. And between us, we've got nearly 40 Grand Slam titles. So uh, so there was a wealth of opinion. But, uh, Johnny, you need to fix up a charity game against her. You can yes. swing that a bit, can't you? Hey, I'll tell yeah. you what, that'd be brilliant. Well, yeah. well yeah. under the lights. Yeah, it'd be it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. With my lefty serve, she won't have she won't have a chance. Yeah, fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, where were we? Where were we? Yes, we're on to Ralph. Basically, Ralph Ranyak. So um, Andy, Andy, yes. you know, we're basically it, it, a strange appointment, just in terms of it's most unusual is most unusual because of the time scale. Six months, then two years. And then two years. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, does it sit does it sit with you? No, no, I, I mean, I, I am probably in the minority who, who thinks it's... Hey, listen, it may work out, but I'm a minority where I don't quite... 
um, understand it. Then, as Jeremy mm. outlined, you have the absolute amateur hour situation of him. You know, I mean, this was everyone knew, and it was it wasn't officially announced, but it was it was yeah. unofficially confirmed. You know, a couple of weeks ago or or, or whatever. I'm, I'm, and this this will now be the third game when he has you know been known to be coming in as um, interim coach that he hasn't been taking charge of the game. Then you have mm. to go through this charade of Carrick saying he hasn't even spoken to him. And it just adds to the it, it adds to the do you actually know what you're doing sort of line that's been around the United football operation for so long now, and you know is as, as I say he, he you know he's been involved in sort of Red Bull sports management for a couple of years. Then he's at Locomotive Moscow as director of football. Locomotive Moscow have had probably one of their worst starts to a to a Russian domestic season in recent history, you know, there isn't a massive amount apart from the almost you know uniform adulation of various hipsters that that he can actually come in and be a coach on the coaching field you know that and this maybe can maybe prove us all wrong Bandy, mm. uh, matt, uh, matt uh, i would love to set you a challenge because you are such a finickety guy i want to set you a challenge basically like it uh well it's stickler no, I'm not patronising. I, think no, I do, I I do well actually asked. genuinely, genuinely admire him on this on on this front, as you know, as much as Joanna Conte. But <laughs> it would be it would be so interesting to get a hold of the, you know, the the Home Office regs and guidelines, because I tell you what, I bet I bet you I bet you the lawyers, you know, they, they, they'll get it through. Of course they will. They'll they'll are uh, you know argue exceptional circumstances, exceptional talent. Um, but I, do, I, do, I, you know, if it's two year, two out of eleven years, does he does he pa- does he pass the test? Genuine, genuine, as they as they say on Twitter, genuine question. You've also got to prove the need, and there's no one British that could do the same job. Uh, and the, Manchester United are desperately calling out for a sixty-something or someone, an old-age, grey-haired former manager mm-hmm. with with a fantastic reputation to hang around in the background um, and overshadow everything that the first team manager does. Because Manchester United haven't got one of those, have they? Who's, who's Scottish, for instance, and uh, and could do the job anyway. No, I don't know. It does seem a bit odd that, that, that they basically appointed the German, German version of Sir Alex and let's have him in as well. Yeah. Two things for you, Jeremy. Pogba, mm. does this... You know, it is interesting, isn't it? I did, you know, this the other day that the sort of definitely the Pogba sort of side of things, you know, maybe won't leave in January, sort of kind of give it to the end of the season, see where the club's going. I don't know whether United are up for that. Let's see. But where do you see Pogba going? And also, who would be, you know, is Pochettino still your favourite in the in the in the clubhouse, basically, to be? To be that manager, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I can I can see Ranić sort of putting on an audition, but let's see. Come on, hey, look, both of those. does really well. <laughs> stop it, stop it. Come on. I know it's a big, it's a long shot because it probably won't do really well. But um, if if you're to win something, or I don't know, hmm. you don't, you just don't know. Do you? He could put himself forward for the role himself. You just don't know. I mean, football's so fickle. But I think Pochettino is the outstanding choice still. Fergie. Fergie loves him to bits. Uh, he's pushing him hard. Uh, Woodward likes Pochettino. Richard Arnold, who's you know going to succeed Woodward as executive vice chairman, he likes Pochettino. So I don't think we'll waver from that really, unless something dramatic happens. I just don't know about Pogba. I, he's out injured at the minute. Um, 
he's free to strike a deal with another club in January, of course. I think United are happy to cut the losses and let him leave for nothing in the summer, uh, which is another shamble, shambolic state of affairs, really, when you think about the stature of Pogba in the game. I know he's been poor for United, but he's won a World Cup and he's, I'm sure he won't be short of offers. So I think it'll all come down to who United appoint next summer as the permanent manager. And if it's someone Pogba mm. likes, he may well stay. But I'd be very surprised if he's in a United shirt come the start of next season. I really would. Yeah. I just think he's, I think his mind's made up already. His heart's set on leaving and going. I think he'd probably end up back at Paris Saint Germain. He'll go to Paris Saint Germain, I would imagine. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. Right, the other big talking point this week is Ballon d'Or. Now, I want to go around the room and ask you guys, Matt. Let's start with you. Who would you? Who would be? Who would have been your winner? Uh, any, anyone but Ronaldo is the the, the obvious answer after the shenanigans of, of that letter and the row, which just ties the whole thing, but also highlighted what a nonsense it is because clearly Lewandowski's had the year that he, he deserves recognition for. Um, somebody produced a, um, I can't, can't, don't know who to credit because it was a great list of um, players who would have won the Ballon d'Or if you're only allowed to win it once. So um, if if Messi and Ronaldo have been out, of the picture, was that? Yeah. Well, it was an interesting so, yeah. name that I think was more representative of of some of the form players, and I think we can easily get starry eyed by two superb footballers. But mm. but but this, you know, they are getting older, uh, and now genuinely Lewandowski's season and his numbers and everything, I feel was worthy of the award. Yeah. Yeah, Andy. Yeah, I, I I personally thought Lewandowski um, should have been well, should have been favourite to get the award and should have been given the award. I wasn't as affronted as as some people by the fact that Lionel Messi got the award. You, you know, he won something in, in 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 the team guys, and his numbers are very good. Um, you know, the second half of the season for Barcelona, if we're thinking calendar year, were exceptional. And if you also take, you know previous into account I wasn't I wasn't overly offended by it. it just does feel though that it does feel that like when you look at the criteria that you know and let's face it journalists who are voting for you know you, you have you know contribution to the team individual excellence uh consistency over so many seasons sporting or your name happens to be Lionel Messi there is an element of that you know they want someone like that to win it um I wasn't as affronted I thought Lewandowski should have won the award um and you know and that's it, really. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, the fact about it is, this is what these awards are for. You, you know, the Ballon d'Or, people who organise the Ballon d'Or, absolutely ecstatic with this. This is what the awards are for. We've been talking about the Ballon d'Or now, a fairly straightforward award for the last four or five days. It's absolutely fantastic publicity for them. It's mm. like it's like when we go on about the FIFA World Rankings and say, "How are these number one? How is he? How are Belgium still number one? How is so and so whatever?" And that's the reason why these World Rankings are daft. Well, there might be, but there's a reason why they still exist, and that's because we have these discussions about them. You know, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that Messi probably shouldn't have won, Lewandowski should have won, but is he a really outrageous winner? Not really. No, Jeremy. Yeah, Dunny's right. Look, this it's opinion, isn't it? And uh, just what makes football so great. So I think we're all in agreement that Calvin Phillips should have won it. <laughs> exactly, me. Now, joking aside, I mean, joking aside, um, I would, his, 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 goal, his goal scoring record, Lewandowski's, is absolutely astonishing, isn't it? Mm. 
It is. Yeah. It, 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 it would, I, would, I would have voted for him. I mean, Messi, yeah, look, he's... I think we have this thing. I saw Messi play the other week at City, actually. He was very poor. I know he, he set up a goal for, for um, PSG, but in general, he was really, really poor. And I was leaving the game with a friend of ours, Ollie Holt, talking about Messi, and we were both in agreement that... You know, he's he, gone. He's past it. He's gone. His legs have gone. No, no, Messi it, 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 I, 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 I as I said, though, I was telling that game, apart from setting up a goal, uh, yeah. And but I mean, and that's what we always say about Messi. You, you always think, you know, he, he's well, he's I been can't. such a phenomenal player, hasn't he, for a decade or more that you expect him, you expect absolute brilliance from him every time you see him, and it's still a privilege to see him play. But we've all been lucky down the years to see, see him play live many times. Yeah. I just, I just think he's not. He's, he's thirty-four. You know, age is catching up with him, and. I think ultimately his heart didn't appear to be in it at PSG. He's still in. It's like a. It's like he's on the rebound, isn't it? He's still in love with his ex, basically. Lewandowski was the best player over the last twelve months. In, in, Insight into your love life, there, Jeremy. Thank you for that, as well as your Ballon d'Or choice. You know, he inspired his country to, you know, to to a trophy, didn't he? You know, I mean, I mean, it's. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he's yeah. that controversial, really. I would have gone Jorginho, but there you go. Um, Jorginho. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, he won the Champions League. He won the Super Cup. And he won the Euro. Scored an goal in the Super Cup. We were both we both in the Champions. We both been in the Champions League semi-finals and final. And I had Kante down as a better player in that Chelsea team than than, than Jorginho. Well, you're obviously watching, not watching the game. But anyway, <laughs> but that's down to you. Um, <laughs> they shouldn't have let you into that final. I remember you getting knocked out. There you go. On. <laughs> anyway, 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 we have had an interesting, um, uh, you know, response from various Premier League clubs, and the most, perhaps, the most eye-catching was from Angus Kinnear, um, the the uh, Leeds chief executive this week. Uh, about about Tracy Crouch <laughs> compare, comparing what's facing the Premier League clubs to a famine, basically, and it's um yeah, it was an interesting take. I I I, I like Angus Kinnear a lot. I do think he's done it obviously very very well actually at Leeds, and I do think he's almost living up to the demand at Leeds to be somewhat different, to be somewhat outspoken and very controversial. But um, and and it's certainly got people talking, which I guess is that is you know is the point. So job done. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, Matt, you, you, yeah. you, you, you I'm I mean, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. You, you you know you you've been party to many of these calls, and I'm not sure that the Premier League. Are, I'm not sure what this is going to happen, and the Premier League are going to you know reject it. And good luck with this one, Tracy. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, um, I mean. <laughs> I'm not as au fait as as, as the the gelded end on Mao, Chairman Mao's co uh, communal agricultural policy. So I thought they were interesting program notes pitched at their audience that he wrote. Um, but uh, <laughs> so I kind of had to look it up, uh, and and it just shows that it's a kind of scaremongering tactics of the Premier League. perslow has been against it. Karen Brady, who's uh, group what will be looking to sell a team so they want parachute payments still in because that makes West Ham more saleable you would think mm. um, when the time comes having built their success on the back of a taxpayer funded stadium um, they're, they're not getting it uh, and this is kind of the punch that Tracy, it's not what Tracy Crouch is proposing it's the fact that behind it mm. she's got the government 
who are, are saying at the moment that they're going to put legislation in place to say you must follow these rules. So it's not up to the Premier League now. And this is what the Premier League have got to be careful of. Because with these outrageous sort of comments that are coming out, this bravado, it just shows more and more that they don't get the fact that there is a will from the nation, the nation upon which much of their their money comes from, whether it's us paying for subscriptions. And, and okay, it's a world from a world as well. You know, football fans want more money further down the leagues and they want it a bit fairer. And they want the Premier League still to be the greatest league in the world. And they want them to have success. And Tracy Crouch tries to find that middle ground. But and, and if the Premier League aren't going to give any, any you know, even an inch, which seems to be where the battle lines are being drawn, then the threat is legislation will be put in place. You cannot run a football club in this country um, without the say-so of the government, you know, legislating that your books are in finance, that the rules are there. So, you know, it will be illegal. It won't be a 20 men and women sat around a, a mm. cosy, you know, boardroom table in Paddington, you know, you know sorting football out with, by controlling the purse strings. It'll be actually in the statute books of the country. Uh, and that's what's different this time. And I think the will is there. Um, the momentum is there. The We've got a perfect storm of this pandemic. We've got, a um, you know, the uh, various other problems. We've got Barry going wrong. And then there's the greed of the Super League, which couldn't have been worse timed. And I think it's all coming together that this time the government will do something, not least of which because it's a vote winner for fans. So there's a political will to be seen to be doing something. Uh, and that's what the Premier League have got to be wary of. And uh, and I think a little, a few more sane responses, a bit like we've had from Richard Masters, which hasn't been, you know, he's been criticised for not taking leadership. But I think this isn't the time to, this is the time for the Premier League to be listening rather than speaking. Uh, and I think people have a lot more respect for them if that were the case. So I, I think, you know, I just think it, it's foolish of these chairmen to, to come out like this because I just don't think it catches the the mood of the nation. No, it was an interesting one on Sunday, really. I do think Steve Parrish, it's always good to hear from him. So you never sort of kind of want people not to, not to speak up, basically. Mm. Well, a very interesting column, didn't he? Which, had, um, you know, which was in the, in the Sunday Times and basically, you know, was very strong on it. But it was sort of, you know, sort of went straight in, two-footed on on Gary Neville, basically saying, you know, you kind of lampoon the government, and now you sort of, you know, want them, them to set up a sort of a, you know, a, a regulator, which completely missed the point that it is actually supposedly supposedly an independent regulator. I yeah, but Steve Parrish didn't have a point. You have to be careful about. Yeah, uh, I, I, th I thought he, I thought he pitched that quite well. And then basically, yeah. you know, perhaps better than, than others, you know, sort of, you know, I think Christian Perslow sort of upset a lot of people, wasn't he, sort of kind of by his sort of public rant. But it's just, uh, you know, I do think it's an interesting point, but I'm not sure that, that we're really going to probably get the end result that sort of, you know, as good as Tracy Crouch's, you know, call to arms was, I'm not sure that it's... You know, I don't know. But let's see. There's going to be yeah. some drift. Of course there is. Yeah. But, you know, that it was a sensible document. It was... Yeah, uh, totally. There was nothing there that they could instantly say, well, that's not no. workable. No. Um, so, yeah, there will be some drift, but I think we'll move a long way towards where we want to be. Mm. Um, uh, and that'll be healthier for football in this country. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, time is escaping us a little bit. So I'm going to finish on the end finally, really. Um 
which is um, after I think it was Peterborough v. Peterborough get me words out here Peterborough v. Barnsley. Um, when the I think the floodlights going out was the most remarkable thing about the game, wasn't it? And um, and basically, it's it, let's go around the room and we call your weirdest things you've seen on a football pitch stroke at a football match. Um, Jeremy, let's start with you. Well, there's a lot of sort of down the years when you reach the veteran stage that we all are at now. We've seen a lot of strange <laughs> things. <but laughs> one of the funniest things and weirdest things I saw was in 2008 when um, it was at the Etihad. Phil Brown on the pitch at halftime with Hull City. 4-0 down Classic. to City. You know, these sort of... Normally, these 15 minutes at halftime are like... They the go to the sanctuary, the dressing room. You know, you know, you don't know what goes on. And not Phil Brown. He kept him out there. Sat him in a circle. I'm thinking, what they're going to do? Are they going to sing Ring a Ring of Roses or something? And he just, just stood in the middle, pointing his finger, doing like a twirl in the middle of the circle. Just lambasted him in front of everyone. Oh, but everyone who's who'd not gone for a pie and a pie was just stood there open mouthed, thinking, What is he doing? And the funniest part of the payoff to the whole scenario was that the following season, Bullard scored a goal for Hull at City. And he, he all the yeah. players, he sat them all down and mimicked, mimicked Brown what he'd done the year before. It was absolutely astonishing. I mean, you talk to Phil Brown, who I think is a good guy, actually. Mm. And he laughs about it now and he does he does pick fun at himself. So um but no, that was that was right up there as one of the most astonishing things I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, I'll say Phil Brown does does it as his party trick at weddings. I know uh, wedding guests ask him that he's at asking, "Will you will you tell us all off, Phil?" And and he and he plays the game. He knows. Yeah, he's a good lad, Phil. So uh, yes, I don't think that was his finest hour though. Funny enough, you mentioned Jimmy Bullard. I had the lights go out. Uh, Wigan at Arsenal, wasn't it? The um, semi final of the Carling Cup. Uh, first leg uh, and Jimmy Bullard took that as an opportunity as soon as the lights went out grabbed hold of the ball dribbled up and put it in the Arsenal net but uh, it was yeah. the finest goal we'd never seen um, but my, my the one that I that stuck in my mind and, and it's not perhaps the weirdest but it was one that I wondered did I see that right it was going back to 1989 I think it was um, at Wembley when I was still just a kid watching from the stands and these days there's third eyes every little, every little thing gets captured on camera and you know you have highlights reel and bloopers and all the rest of it one of Gaz's early games for England at, at Wembley and he's bored before kickoff mm-hmm. uh, and so he thinks to entertain himself him and Chris Waddle are pinging passes to each other 40 yard passes over the marching band um <laughs> as a challenge and then I'm sort of you're watching the whole build up just from the back of the stands, and you're watching the corner of your eye. Gaza hit one of these balls, doesn't quite get it right. And I'm sure it um, smacked the trumpeter on the back of the head and knocked him over. <laughs> and I'm thinking, is that one of the benefits of our job? Is I'm sat in a um, sat in a airport lounge waiting to come home from an international game with Chris Waddle, and I thought, do you know what? I just so he reminded me of it, and I thought. Chris, can I just ask you something? It's a really weird question. But did you and Gaza once nobble a guardsman? <laughs> he said, oh, he said, I didn't realise. No, I've never, no one's ever asked me about that. But yeah, he said, it was incredible. He said, the trouble was we got back to the training room, the dressing room afterwards, and there was this bloke with claret all down his shirt, <laughs> bleeding it. And, I said, and I, so I said to him, how'd you end up like that, mate? 
And he says, I don't know. I've no idea. I can't remember. Gazza <laughs> <laughs> in the corner saying, I've never admitted to it. But yeah, that was uh, that was what was uh, that was that was the, the fact that I got closure on it many years later was, was made it memorable. Fantastic, love it, Danny. It, it was you know I think uh, Connor who produces this <clears throat> was mentioned beforehand about him a cow being on a pitch, <clears throat> and I think we should have a separate one. Animals, I mean, because animals are responsible for for a lot of a lot of the bizarre things that go on the pitch. So, nineteen ninety five. My early days at the um, Sunday People newspaper, and it was the final game of the season. Wimbledon, the crazy gang of Sam, Sam and Mam in charge, and an elephant led the teams out onto the pitch. I mean, not just any elephant. It was one of the bigger, even by elephant standards, it was big. And I remember, I remember, I remember one of the our esteemed colleagues here answered. He says, "Andrew, is it an Indian or an African elephant?" I'm like, what was it? My friend? <laughs> Elephants normally lead out. No, it's just an elephant, mate. I can actually think of a couple of people, though. It was just, an, it was, mate, it's a big elephant leading the team down. <laughs> this isn't a mascot, mate. You know what I mean? This is an elephant. Uh, anyway, it, it was, I'll tell you what, Stanley played in that. It, it was, it was um, Wimbledon Forest. And I remember Stan Collymore playing that. I'm not sure whether he scored or not, but um, I'm not sure. And, of course, also there was a game... Um, if you remember, uh, Torquay versus was it was a crew, and when 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 it was abandoned, it was a relegation game because a dog come out and bit the guy taking the throw in, <laughs> and the game got abandoned. It was a growl throw. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> mate, and we should have another one. You, you know where whatever again talk about leading things out. I remember being David Beckham's first game. It was for Real Madrid. It was a friendly in the Worker Stadium in Beijing, and we were out there. And, um, and and all the players thrown. You thought, when's the game going to kick off? And now you know you have these um, where, where the where the referee comes out and picks this ball off a plinth. But what's going on next minute? A helicopter descends into the stadium, hovers above the centre circle, releases the ball on a parachute, and the ball lands on the centre spot. The parachute flips off, and they kick off. We have liftoffs, <laughs> and that was one of the more bizarre things. Yeah, but no, the elephants. I'll, I'll never forget. There was a name for the elephants. I can't remember what it was called now, but. Um, but yeah, Nelly. so for me, that, that was up there. But I think that's a whole new, that's a whole new ball game because there's been. Do you remember the? There's been birds, hasn't it, on on goalposts, and there's been there's been all sorts. There's obviously been a lot of a, a lot of like canine involvement as well. But yeah, we should do animals one week. Yeah, <laughs> well, we should have done it this week, frankly, with Matt, with, done Matt it, yeah. with Matt, with, with Matt's two new pets. <laughs> yes, incredible. How about um, yours? Have you got one? Yeah, he's still no, 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 no. no. The, joy, the joys of this is that you don't have to find one, you know. But there you go. Matt, Matt, Matt was trying to speak then, but he's obviously left him. He left himself a muted mute other dog. I was just going to point um... out every day is a school day, Andy. That map behind you. Yes. Yeah. Look at Africa. That's the shape of an African elephant's ears. That's how you tell the difference. Is it really? So you'll know next time. It, 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 it always reminds me of that 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 old joke. That, yeah, because the difference it it always reminds me of that old joke when he's when when the guy he's had a couple of pints in there and he said to me, "I've just seen an elephant robbing that jeweler shop. It just smashed the window, put its trunk in, sucked up all the jewels. It's gone." And the guy thinks, "Oh, you know, he's had too few many beers. This has never happened." So he says, "No, seriously, went down there, smashed the window in, put its trunk in, sucked the jewels out." He says, "Well, okay, mate. He plays along. He says, we're African or Indian." So I want to know that he's by its ears. I don't know. It had the stocking over his head. 
Anyway, that <laughs> for me next trick. <laughs> very, very good, very good. Right. Anyway, we've had it all this week: marching bands, elephants, elephants ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So fantastic, dogs obviously as well. Uh, guys, thanks so much for joining. Really, brilliant show this week. Really, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much indeed. And um, yeah, thanks everyone for watching. We'll see you soon. Take care.